Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Tuck, and welcome to the Word at My Church. If this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you this morning to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's go ahead and begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do by hearing its word and applying it by faith. It'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. And Father God, Lord, I ask you now, Father Lord, that you would move me aside, take my place, speak to your people. Father Lord, I thank you, Lord, Father God, for this opportunity, Father God, for this platform. Father God, Lord, to just share your words of life. Father God, Lord, move me aside. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would just use me as a tool. Father God, a vessel of the kingdom. Father Lord, to impart, Lord, wisdom. Father God, to impart revelation, insight, and foresight. Father God, that others, Lord, may be prepared. Father God, for the work, Lord, that you've called us to do in the earth. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us, Lord, to be your change agents. Father God, you've called us to have impact. Father God, in the lives of believers and non-believers alike. Father, for us to be salt and light in the earth. And Lord, we thank you, Lord. We're excited, Lord, about these times that we live in. Father God, because we know, Lord, this is the time you've called us for, you created us for. Father God, you've given us a mandate, Father God, to go out and to touch, Lord, others. Father God, Lord, to bring them and to restore them, Father God, into that place of relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, Father God, for that assignment. And Lord, we ask you now, Father God, Lord, you would pour into us that which you desire us to pour out onto others. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father God, for every opportunity. Father God, Lord, that we may draw closer to you. Father God, that we may hear from you. And Father Lord, we bind every contrary spirit, every demonic force, anything that would attempt, the Lord, to hinder us from hearing from heaven. Father, move me, Lord. Touch my mouth, my heart, my mind. Father God, Lord, that this word would come forth with clarity. Father God, unchecked. Father God, by any, Father God, Lord, hindrance. Father God, any demonic spirit, any demonic force. Father God, we declare no technical difficulties. Father God, we declare nothing would hinder your word from going forth mm -hmm. and that others will be blessed and that they would receive, Father God, all that you have declared that they shall receive today. And Lord, that the earth would be better, Lord, because of the preaching of your divine word. And we touch you and believe you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God this morning. Open your Bibles with me once again to the book of Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And when you get there, look at verse two, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse two. And I'm reading from the amplified version of the text. And it reads, do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its idea, new idea, new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that this is the year 
that God wants to restore the church to a place of greater influence and impact. And I told you, if we want to experience what God desires for us, it begins with our thinking. And we've been talking about restoring the mind. Because one thing that is essential to the restorative or restoration process is that we must have some concept of the original condition or state of that which is being restored. You know, uh, my wife and I were watching one of my favorite uh, programs on television uh, yesterday, uh, the Barrett Jackson auction, where people are selling classic cars that have been restored. You know, I love classic cars. I love watching stuff like that. You know, and, and one of the things about these classic cars, you cannot start a rest restoration unless you know what the original actually look like. So we've got to have some idea, some concept of the original condition or state of that which you're restoring. And that's why Paul tells us that we must be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total restoration of how we think. In other words, we must allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, which means restoring them to the original way of thinking that God designed us to have before it was corrupted by our flesh. See, because it's important for us to understand that we were created in his image and in his likeness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. I told you, as believers, we have an assignment, that the same assignment that Jesus had, which is to destroy the works of the devil. But the problem is the majority of us in the body of Christ still don't believe we have the ability to do so. As a matter of fact, go over to John chapter 14, the gospel of John chapter 14. And when you get there, look at verse 12, John chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. And here it reads, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if your television, your computer, your tablet, your smartphone, whatever you're watching me on right now was a polygraph, a lie detector, and I was to ask the question, how many of you really believe that? How many of you could honestly say yes? Oh, go ahead and type it in the comments. How many would say yes? Do you really realize what he's saying to you? He, he said there, there is no limit to what is available to you. Absolutely no limit to what you're capable of. Because there is nothing that he won't do for you. Oh, some of y'all just lied. Now, because if we really believe that, our lives would look different. Our ministry would look different. Our community would look different. But the problem is we only believe it to a degree. We believe it to a point. But there's a limit. Because we've adopted the world's mentality. And God confirms that through the prophet Isaiah by saying, for your thoughts my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And that's why Paul tells us to conform no longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, because the world, if we can't see ourselves the way God sees us, if we refuse to believe what he says about us, we'll never be able to do what he says we can do. And see, the world teaches us that if, if, if you can't see it, if you can't feel it, if you can't touch it, if you don't have some physical, tangible 
evidence of it, then eh, I don't know whether or not I believe it or not. And that's why the first step in the restorative process is restoring the mind. Now, we know that word restore means to bring back or recover from lapse, degeneracy, or ruin, a decline in quality, or state of decay, or growing worse. Well, go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And when you get to look at verse 22, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22. Here it reads, strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which has characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. You recall, I told you on last time, many of us are delusional. We suffer from what I call a delusion of faith. He says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature, the regenerated self created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I, I told you a delusion is defined as a deception, a false representation, an error or mistake proceeding from false views that results in a misleading of the mind. And in here, Paul tells us that delusion was the, the source of corruption for our nature. Well, go over to Genesis chapter three. And let's get some insight into how we ended up in this deluded condition. Because we know that in the beginning, the Bible says that God created man in his image. And then he blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. He then gives them a physical body, places them in the garden with all the resources of the planet at their disposal. And he commands them saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. But it's in Genesis chapter three, the enemy shows up in the form of a serpent and he asked the question, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Matter of fact, Genesis chapter three, Let's look at this scripture. Look at verse one. Let's check this out. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, he said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, is that what God said? No. So in verse four, he responds by saying, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Now, did I not just tell you that he said he created us in his own image? In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So he created both of us, men and women, in his image, just like him. So if he created us in his image, as spirit beings in his image, before we ever existed in a body, we were already just like God. But here Satan's telling us he don't want you to eat the tree because he don't want you to be like him. Well, if he didn't want us to be like him, then why would he have ever created us like him? 
verse 6. He says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Hmm. Wow. Now I need you to see what just took place. The enemy shows up and offers her some information that was contrary to the word of God because she doesn't know the word of God. She begins to receive that information and look at how it affects her. She becomes delusional. She starts evaluating everything around her based on that information that she's received. And her natural senses. And it dictates her actions. It is right there in the text. Look at verse six. It says she saw that the tree was good for food. First of all, you think about it. We say this all the time. Oh, that looks good. That looks like that tastes good. And then we taste it and it's nasty. Somebody type in the comments, looks can be deceiving. Somebody else type, that's why you can't trust your senses. She said that it was pleasant to the eyes. Oh, is anybody honest enough to say, that they met somebody, some fine sister, some fine brother. They were pleasant to the eyes, but they were not pleasant to you. Oh, I ain't even going to go there with y'all today. Says a tree desirable to make one wise. See, now you're desiring something to make you wise and God has already made you like him. So you already have wisdom. See, this is all information based on the physical senses, how things appear. And it has been influenced by what she's been told. It says, then she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So not only has this information determined her actions, but she has now used it to influence others. Mm. Somebody type in the comments, you got to be careful about the information you receive. See, look at verse seven. It, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. See, that word naked means exposed, uncovered, wanting or lacking. So as a result of receiving this information, they've become self-conscious and are no longer aware of who God said they are or what he's made available to them. And like Adam and Eve, so many of us as believers have become delusional. Because we were swayed by physical evidence or intellectual arguments that were contrary to the word of God. And we've determined our limits based on what someone else said or our experience. So we only think God will do what we've seen him do for us before or what we've heard about him doing for someone we know because like the world, we determine our thoughts, our actions and our emotions based on the information we receive in the natural. But if we're going to have the kind of influence and impact that God intended, we must be restored. We must go from operating based on information to revelation 
And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, going from information to revelation. Because that's the next step in the restorative process. See, as believers, it's essential that we learn to accurately distinguish between information and revelation in order to properly apply our faith. Because they are two entirely different types of knowledge. Information comes from the world around us, while revelation is a direct communication from God. Watch this. When God first created Adam and Eve, they only existed in spirit form. So any knowledge they received was revealed to their spirit. That's how we were originally designed to operate. And when he gave them physical bodies, he instructed them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when they chose to disobey God, they began to receive knowledge through their natural senses. And by doing so, they shifted to an inferior system. Because information is based on facts. While revelation comes from the truth. Oh, somebody might want to write that down. Information is based on facts. While revelation comes from the truth. See, information can be found in books, on the internet, through conversations with other people, or from personal experience and observation of the world around us. Things we receive from our natural senses. But this type of knowledge is limited. It may present the facts, but it cannot determine the truth. While revelation is divinely inspired insight given directly by God. Usually through scripture, prayer, and meditation. This type of understanding goes beyond mere facts. It provides us with deeper insight into our relationship with God and his will for our lives. See, revelation has the ability to fill the gaps left unanswered by information. As a matter of fact, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, I'm telling you, we're going somewhere today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And when you get there, look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Here it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. In other words, there are some things we will never know based on information. It's going to require revelation. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I told you that means there is nothing that he won't do for you. That means there is no limit to what we can do. But if you don't get the revelation, you'll never believe it. See, Jesus knew there was nothing he could ask of heaven that he could not have. Because he had a revelation of who his father was. He had a revelation of what his father had. And most importantly, he had a revelation of what he meant to his father. Oh, uh, y'all remember? Before Jesus ever embarked upon his earthly ministry, he was being baptized by John. Before he ever did any miracles, before he raised anybody from the dead, before he gave any sight to the blind, 
before he multiplied any fish, any loaves, before he did anything. The Bible says the sky opened up a dove like, and a spirit descended like a dove and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. See, he received a revelation of who his father was and what he meant to him. And see, that revelation empowered him to do everything else because now he believed that there was nothing he could ask of heaven that he could not have. Oh, y'all better understand this. See, because the Bible tells us that Jesus, even though he was fully God, he gave up his Godship to become a man. So when Jesus walked on the earth, he walked in total man. Oh, see, watch this. See, because see, everybody keeps going. Oh, but that was Jesus. Oh, but that was Jesus. No, Jesus was a man. Everything he did, he did by faith. And the Bible tells us we have the like same faith. Oh, you better not. You, you, oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. You have the ability to do everything that Jesus did. And that's why he said, if you believe you can do greater works. He said, because now you got me in heaven working for you. But he did everything that he did, not because he had some God power, but because he had God faith, because he had a revelation. See, he knew that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. He knew his daddy owned a cattle on a thousand hills. He knew that he was the beloved son in whom the father was well pleased. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, pastor, I know that too. And that's good. But there's a difference between knowing in your head and knowing in your spirit. Between having some information and having revelation. Because remember, the Pharisees knew these same scriptures, but they had no impact. So if you don't know it in your spirit, you better get a revelation. It says for the spirit searches. All things. Yes, the deep things of God. So you got to get that in your spirit. Look at verse 11. He says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. See, the, the only one that will truly know what you know is your spirit. Not your head. See, because if you don't know it in your spirit, then you don't really know it. He said, because what man knows the things of a man? See, the only one that knows the things you're capable of is your spirit. Huh? What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him? See, your spirit is the only one who knows who you are and what you're capable of. That's why you got to get a revelation. Since even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And that's why the only way to truly know the things that God has in store for you is by the spirit. Matter of fact, look at what he says in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. See, you will never know what God has for you. See, here he tells us that the very reason that we were given the spirit was so that we might know what God has freely given to us. That, we, that word know means to behold, to be aware, to perceive, to understand. In other words, so that we could receive revelation. So that we could be restored from information to revelation. See, it's one thing for me to tell you that the scripture says that God delights in the prosperity of his servant. See, that's information. But when you get a revelation that God wants you prosperous, you'll start to prosper. 
because your flesh will no longer accept anything else because you'll start to do the things that God tells you to do to walk in it. See, because sometimes the instructions he gives you don't look right. And you can't do what God tells you to do unless you believe it. But if you don't know that it's true, you'll go off the information you have. Mm. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John gospel, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. In other words, because you can only process information, you're going to miss half of what I'm saying to you. He says, it's going to go right over your head. He said, you're going to miss it. He says, but however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He's going to reveal to you the very secrets of heaven so that you can operate in divine truth. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, however, he said, these things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, without revelation, we'll continue to operate based on information. We receive in the natural. And we'll miss out on what God has in store for us. And that's why we must be restored. We must allow the Holy Spirit to restore our minds. Now, I know somebody's thinking, well, how do we do that? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to take us from information to revelation? Well, go over to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one. And when you get to look at verse eight. Joshua chapter one, beginning at verse eight. Here he says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The message Bible calls it the book of revelation. Oh, I need you to hear that. Not talking about the book of revelation, the chapter in the Bible. That, 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 that last book of the Bible. No, he's calling this whole book, the book of revelation. See, because Joshua couldn't have been talking about that last book in the Bible because Joshua wasn't even around when John wrote that last book. He's saying this entire book, its purpose is to help you produce revelation, is to receive revelation. He says, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. That word observe means to watch or look closely. In other words, so you can see yourself doing. So you can get revelation. So God can reveal to you how you can do everything that's in it. That's the purpose of meditating in the word. That's the purpose of staying in the word. So God can reveal to you that this word was not just information, but it was to reveal to your spirit that this is divine truth about your life. Somebody type in the comment, it's personal. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, we've got to continue to read God's word and meditate on God's word until we get a revelation. Until we can see ourselves in the spirit doing what God said we could do. Then we'll truly believe we have the ability to do what he said in the natural. And that's regardless of what we see or experience. Because revelation is how we as believers are supposed to respond to information. Oh, say that again, pastor. 
Revelation is how we as believers are supposed to respond to information. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor? See, non-believers react, but as believers, we're supposed to respond. We're supposed to get in the word and get in God's presence so that we can get a revelation. Oh, let me help you see it. You get a overdue bill in the mail. Non-believers react. They panic. They get afraid. They call somebody trying to borrow some money. They, 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 they now they go and they take out a loan. They, they pull out a credit card. They do all kinds of worldly things based on the information they, they react. A believer gets something like that. And now I need to get in the word, get into God's presence and get a revelation. Allow God to speak to my spirit until I know truth. And now God can give download some instruction for me so I can hear God and now do what he says. Oh, see, see some people like, see, pastor, no, you too deep. You too deep. Oh, okay. Oh, can I help you? Can I, can I show you I'm not too deep? There was this woman who was literally about to starve to death. She was a single mother. And, uh, I mean, literally, she was about to starve to death. I mean, she was down to her last. You know, some of us like to say, you know, oh, I'm down to my last. No, she was literally about down to her last. She had just enough to make her and her son something to eat, and she was about to, this it. We ain't got nothing else. Ain't nobody to help us. We about to die. So after we eat this, we just going to lay down in the bed and just going to lay here. And then shut, shut the heat off. I ain't got nothing else. You know, we just going to, after we eat, we're going to lay in the bed and, we just gonna die of hunger. And the preacher shows up at the house. And the preacher asks for some water. And she gets ready to go in and get him some water. He says, Hey, can, can you bring me some bread too? And she says, uh, I ain't got no bread. She says, I just got a little, you know, a little bit of biscuit left, and I'm about to make me and my son this last pancake, and we about to shut it down. That's all we got. He said, I tell you what, you make me a pancake first. Oh, see, now see, y'all like, see, Pastor, you playing. No, that's the word. And she got a revelation. See, because if you recall, the Bible says before the man of God went there, God had already spoke to her and told her. He told the man of God, go there because I have already instructed her to take care of you. She had already had a revelation. The problem was she was still trying to function based on information. And when the man of God spoke to her, it reminded her, it confirmed the revelation that she had. And that's why she obeyed the man of God. See, if she was purely functioning on information, she would have told that man of God, you better kick rocks. We about to eat this pancake and lay down. Me and my boy got to do what we got to do. See, but the fact of the matter was she knew that this was the fact that we are at a place right now. That's all we got. But I know I heard God in my spirit. He told me I was going to have to take care of the man of God. So I know that this is true. When the man of God asked me, I might as well go ahead and do it. See, some of the stuff God's going to tell you about the situation, even though you sent something different in your spirit, in your flesh, the instructions may not make sense. When you've got a revelation, you know what the truth is. So you can disregard the facts and do what the truth says. So you got to be able to disregard the facts and obey the truth. And that's the purpose of revelation. Go over to Romans chapter 8. 
See, I told you, with Revelation, we're not supposed to respond to information. But instead, we're supposed to take that information, get in the word, and get us a revelation. Y'all in Romans 8, look at verse 31. Here it says, what then shall we say to these things? In other words, how should we as believers respond to the things we encounter? With the revelation, if God is for us, who can be against us? See, you've got to know that you mean more to God than anything on this planet. Any situation, any circumstances, any lack, any need. Look at what he says in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, because if he was willing to give you, give up his only son for you, then there's nothing that he won't do. Somebody type in the comments, he loves me that much. It says in verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. See, there's a reason you can't make me feel guilty because I know I've been justified. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I said, I know I got a revelation about my justification. Verse 34 says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. See, I also refuse to receive condemnation because I know Jesus died for me. See, I refuse to receive condemnation because I got a revelation about my salvation. Look at verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long and we are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, regardless of what I have to deal with, I can't be moved because I have a revelation of God's love for me. And it's not just because pastor said so or what I read in the Bible. I know in my spirit that he loves me. Look at verse 38. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hmm. See, once you get this revelation of how much God loves you, it will release you from ever having any limit in your life. There'll be no doubt, no fear, no guilt, no condemnation. See, we look at the Bible and we marvel at what God did for David. But he didn't do half as much for David as he did for us. Sure, he made him a great warrior. He gave him riches and wives, and a kingdom. But he gave us his son. So we must be special. But we've got to receive that revelation. Otherwise, we will never be able to fulfill our assignment. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, go to Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians chapter 3. And when you get to look at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3. Here it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here Paul says that it is his prayer that we would be able that God would enable every believer through the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the full revelation of the love of Christ, which far exceeds information so that we could receive the totality of God's divine nature. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I told you, God wants to restore us to a place of greater impact and influence. But in order to do so, we're going to have to go from information to revelation. We're going to have to be able to hear God and do what he says. Regardless of what we see, hear, or feel, or experience in the natural. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he'll do also. And greater works than these he'll do because I go to my father. But if we can't see ourselves the way God sees us, and we refuse to believe what he says about us, we'll never be able to do what he says. And that's why we've got to go from information to revelation. We've got to get to the point where we know in our spirit what God says in his word. And that's what it's going to require if we're going to have the kind of influence and impact that God has called us to. Because you'll never be able to convince anybody of anything that you don't know yourself. God bless you today. I pray this bless your spirit. And if you're sitting and listening to this, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. God's love is absolutely amazing. And I pray as I was preaching, you didn't hear me, but you heard God. As I was teaching you and taking you through these scriptures, I pray the Holy Spirit was speaking to your spirit going, he was talking to you. God was trying to tell you, Jesus died for you. I loved you so much that I gave up my son for you. I need you to realize how much I love you. That's right, you. All you have to do is accept the offer that I've made. Because if I'm for you, nobody can be against you. If I justify you, nobody can condemn you. Nobody can bring charge against you. He said, it's that simple. Jesus gave up his life. 
so that every charge that the accuser tries to bring against you will fall flat because he paid the price for your sin. I don't care what it is. There is no sin that Christ's blood does not cover. I know you've heard all your life, oh, there's the unpardonable sin, and you keep wondering, have you committed that one? Guess what? The only sin that will not be forgiven is not accepting Christ. So that's the one you really don't want is rejecting the offer because that's the one God said, hey, I can't help you then. But he died for every sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future. Because every sin that you ever committed was future because Christ died over 2,000 years ago. Does that mean you still go out here and do whatever you want? No. Because his love compels us that if he died for us, that now we live for him. So the whole purpose of accepting Christ is not to just get a free pass. It's because I'm tired of the life that I'm living and I want the one he has for me. Salvation is free, but it comes with a cost. That cost is your life. You have to make a simple exchange. I'm willing to give up the life I'm living to have the life that God wants me to have. Trust me, that's a good deal. And if you desire that today, just pray this prayer with me. Precious God, I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe you love me enough to give up your son. And I want to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. I give him permission to make my every decision. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now part of the body of Christ, the family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And if you desire to be a part of my church, all you have to do is go to our website, www.lovemychurch.org. Click Contact Us. Fill out a connection card and let us know you received Christ today. One of our ministers will get back with you. They'll give you information about the next steps, information about our ministry, how you can receive all of our ministry, how you can get information, how you can become a part, connect with us, have a support group. Trust me, we desire to be there for you and help you through this walk. We broadcast every Sunday morning at 1215 every Thursday evening at 7.30. We have connection groups. We have a, a Zoom Bible study. We have all kinds of ways that you can connect with our ministry. And we have some exciting new things coming. So just make sure you stay tuned, stay connected to us, and we'll get you all that information. But if you desire that today, just go to our website, fill out a connection card, let us know, and we'll definitely make sure somebody reaches out to you. Secondly, if you've been listening to this message, you're like, man, I love this, this broadcast. I love this ministry. It blesses me week after week. And you want to help continue, help us continue to do what God's called us to do, make sure that the gospel is preached all over the world, click the donate button, sow a financial seed. You can use Cash App, dollar sign, my church, Lynchburg. PayPal.me forward slash my church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. However, you desire to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to spread the gospel. Trust me, sowing into the kingdom of God is one of the greatest things you can do because your life was changed by the word, you're helping somebody else's life be changed. Thirdly, make sure you share this word with somebody else you know who needs it because we all know somebody who can benefit from receiving the word of God. We know somebody who needs a revelation. And so I ask you to make sure you share, like, share, tag this word. Let somebody know where they can get the word at my church. But we bless you today. We're so excited. 
about what God is doing in this ministry, in the kingdom, and in your life. And so we ask you, stay tuned for our announcements and come back and see us again on next time. I'm Pastor Tuck. I love you. God bless you. And have a great day. See you on next time. Pastor Stephanie for Women Are Worth every first and third Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. Join Pastor Tuck in the Man Cave every second and fourth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. pandemic our relationship was already in trouble it's like we argue about everything i mean he comes home and he sits in the driveway in the car instead of coming into the house with me and his son see she doesn't trust me and she talks about me to her girlfriends like she speaks so loudly like she wants me to hear what am i supposed to do with that why do you have to get out of the bed at 11:20 at night to return a text you see she doesn't even know how to talk to me. And he refuses to talk to me. Like the first couple weeks of quarantine, together in the house all day and all night, just confirmed it's me. I can't do this anymore. You know what? I'm done. I think I'm done. Maybe we need to get some help. I think we need to talk to somebody. Marriages are under attack. And if you or someone you know needs help, then join Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker for My Church Marriage Seer Training. Every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m., Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker have designed a course to help your marriage to not just survive, but to thrive. Get the tools necessary for a successful biblical marriage. You can enjoy this course live on Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV via the BoxCast channel or on Facebook and YouTube Live. Just search My Church Lynchburg. Why not make an investment into your marriage that will impact generations? My Church Lynchburg Marriage Seer Training every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can now watch the My Church broadcast on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV and Apple TV. Simply download the BoxCast channel and look for the My Church icon. Or catch the word on the go with the word at My Church Podcast. Now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Tune in iHeart's Radio, Pandora, and Stitcher Podcast platforms. Just search for My Church Lynchburg. 
Now there's no excuse to go without the word. And for those of you with Alexa-enabled devices, simply enable the My Church Lynchburg skill in the Alexa app. Then say, Alexa, open My Church Lynchburg and sit back and enjoy the word.